So I first of all want to say it's good to be back with you. We had an amazing time last weekend on the women's retreat, and I want to just go ahead and extend an invitation right now for all of the women in our midst to plan to join us again next year. It really was a powerful opportunity to, to get away, and here's what made it powerful. Um, it was a sharing of the stories of the women that were present. It was seeing how God had worked in their lives. It was sharing vulnerability with one another and hearing the wisdom that was in the room, the encouragement that was offered to one another, uh, to, to realize that God can just speak into so many of our lives right when we need it most. And that is a powerful thing that uh, I happen to think women know how to do really well with one another. And so I invite you, uh, Patty, what are the dates? October third weekend in October, put it on your calendars right now. And um, if you've got kids, call the grandparents. Say, hey, I have a weekend for you to come be with the grandkids. If you have a spouse, say, guess what? You just go play with your friends. I'm going to go be with the girls um, and join us um, um, next October. I also want to give a shout out to my husband. We celebrate our 21st anniversary this weekend, this week. Yes, pray for him. Um, <laughs> but we, had, we actually had a chance this past week to get away for a few days, and we went out west. Um, it was beautiful. He had the opportunity to take some pictures with his very fancy camera um, that I get overwhelmed just looking at. Um, and I had the chance to just be alone in the desert for a little bit, and I came back with a deeper understanding of why um, folks from the early church, the um, first 300 centuries, would Christians would look at the world around them and just go, oh my gosh, I have got to get away from this. This is madness. And they would go to the desert to find God. They would go to the desert to seek time, space away to practice uh, following Jesus. And so being out there uh, to just be alone, to pray, to just see the sense of beauty and quiet and calm and the agelessness of the, the scenery, the rocks, it truly was a spiritual place to be. And so that was a gift. So it is not lost on me that it is timely with our sermon series um, as we continue to catch glimpses of Jesus where we are right now. Uh, we've, remind us where we've been, we've seen um, Jesus save where he, um, for instance, with Zacchaeus, um, helped bring someone to faith. We have seen the miracles, uh, particularly where Jesus has calmed in the calming of the storm last week. <clears throat> and today, we are going to catch a glimpse of Jesus healing, um, bringing healing into our lives and the lives of others. And so, a timely topic, because I know that there are lots of us in our midst that are dealing with some personal brokenness and need healing. And of course, um, we as a church seek that as well. So the passage I'm going to read is a bit long. It's a story within a story, but you uh, can't um, appreciate or tell one without um, telling the other. And so hear these words from the Gospel of Mark, chapter 5, verses 21 through 43. Jesus crossed the lake again, and on the other side, a large crowd gathered around him on the shore. Jairus, one of the synagogue leaders, came forward. When he saw Jesus, he fell at his feet and pleaded with him, My daughter is about to die. Please come and place your hands on her so that she can be healed and live. So Jesus went with him. 
A swarm of people were following Jesus, crowding in on him. A woman was there who had been bleeding for 12 years. She had suffered a lot under the care of many doctors and had spent everything she had without getting any better. In fact, she had gotten worse. Because she had heard about Jesus, she came up behind him in the crowd and touched his clothes. She was thinking, if I can just touch his clothes, I'll be healed. Her bleeding stopped immediately, and she sensed in her body that her illness had been healed. At that very moment, Jesus recognized that power had gone out from him. He turned around in the crowd and he said, who touched my clothes? His disciples said to him, don't you see the crowd pressing against you, yet you ask, who touched me? But Jesus looked around carefully to see who had done it. The woman, full of fear and trembling, came forward. Knowing what had happened to her, she fell down in front of Jesus and told him the whole truth. He responded, daughter, your faith has healed you. Go in peace, healed from your disease. While Jesus was still speaking with her, messengers came from the synagogue leader's house saying to Jairus, your daughter has died. Why bother the teacher any longer? But Jesus overheard their report and said to the synagogue leader, don't be afraid, just keep trusting. He didn't allow anyone to follow him except Peter, James, and John, James's brother. They came to the synagogue leader's house and he saw a commotion with people crying and wailing loudly. He went in and said to them, what's all this commotion and crying about? The child isn't dead, she's only sleeping. They laughed at him, but he threw them all out. Then, taking the child's parents and his disciples with him, he went to the room where the child was. Taking her hand, he said to her, Talitha kum, which means, young woman, get up. Suddenly, the young woman got up and began to walk around. She was 12 years old. They were shocked. He gave them strict orders that no one should know what had happened. Then he told them to give her something to eat. This is God's word for all of us, God's people. Thanks be to God. Will you pray with me? Lord, help us to catch a glimpse of you this day through your teachings, through your word, so that others might catch a glimpse of you within each one of us. Amen. So this is one of those stories about Jesus that when I look at it, I continue to see so many different things. Like I'm not sure where to look because there's so many pieces that catch my attention that are of interest. And so we have this uh, story within a story um, and it involves two people, two healings. One involves the family of a very important person, a synagogue leader, Jairus. The other involves a very unimportant, powerless person, a bleeding woman, unclean. Um, so Jesus is indeed on his way with Jairus to Jairus' house. And along the way, um, he is interrupted by this woman. And so uh, Jesus knows what has happened, right? And so here is this woman who, yes, she's been bleeding for 12 years. We don't know exactly what's wrong with her, but we know that her condition causes her to be ritually impure on top of all of the health issues that are going on. 
And so what that means is that uh, a woman had to stop bleeding for seven days before she could enter back into society. That means before she could worship, before she could be in the presence of men, before anyone could touch her uh, that wouldn't cause them to be unclean and to go have to perform the purity rituals uh, in order to be, to be clean again. And so that meant for her complete isolation. But she thinks, okay, if I can just catch a glimpse of Jesus, if I can just touch the hem of his robe, I know I'll be healed. And she was. She knows that her life will never be the same, much like Zacchaeus experienced, also trying to catch a glimpse of Jesus. And so um, it's true, her life is never the same. And she is healed in that moment, and she knows it. She feels it with her body, and Jesus knows it too. And so he says, who touched me? Now, can't you, I'm so with the disciples, just can't you see the disciples saying, what, are you serious? Jesus, there's a crowd of people around you. Of course somebody touched you. Are you crazy? Have you lost your mind? But he looks around, and it wasn't until the woman comes and confesses everything that has happened that he then says to her, daughter, your faith has healed you. Go in peace. Did you notice that he didn't say, I have healed you? He said, daughter, you, your faith has healed you. Now, the other interesting thing here is the Greek word that is used here is not the typical word used for medical healing. It is a word that is translated as made well, or often in the New Testament, it's translated as saved. So it definitely has a spiritual, theological context to it. And it is a reminder to us that the healing that Jesus brings, it is holistic. It is not just physical healing. It is um, both mental and spiritual as well. Well, <laughs> um, I want to draw your attention to Jairus, who has been watching all of this take place. Can you imagine how frustrated he must feel? He has urgency. He wants God to come and save his daughter from dying. And why have they stopped for this insignificant woman, this impure woman? And of course, the message comes, hey, your daughter's passed away. It's a moot point now. His worst fear, right? Jesus hears this and says, oh, Jairus, Jairus, be peaceful. Keep your peace and keep on trusting. Keep on trusting. Don't be afraid. Now, I like the Common English Bible translation here. There are other translations that translate just keep trusting as just keep believing, to have faith. But I like their choice of the use of the word trusting. Because we know that to have faith, to have deep faith, it involves having a deep sense of trust that God can fulfill God's promises. And so um, he is saying to Jairus to, 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 to be at peace and to, to keep trusting. The interesting thing here is that the trust and faith that is asked of Jairus has just been modeled by the bleeding woman. She has just done what Jesus asked Jairus to do. And that's why I love these two stories together. Trust is a powerful thing, though. And it's a fragile thing. 
It has to be earned. And in this day and time, trust is not always easy for us to give, but it can also be broken. And I wonder if there's a time in your own life when someone has broken trust with you, and it hurts. It hurts when that happens. Or maybe you have broken trust with someone else. And the more difficult question might be, have you lost or broken trust with God? Because Jesus does ask us to to trust in some of the most difficult of personal situations. And I confess, I've not always been able to trust and have faith in God. There have been some very difficult times in my life. Greg and I have been married three years, and we decided it was time for us to uh, have children. Only we didn't seem to be able to be successful at that. And when I finally admitted that something was wrong, my spiritual life began to spiral. Um, we, uh, I had been a pastor, ordained pastor for four years. We began to go see um, fertility specialists and test after invasive test finally told us, uh, diagnosed us that we fell into the 10% um, un- unknown uh, fertility issues, infertility issues. So incredibly frustrating, so incredibly difficult. My um, belief just continued to spiral. Uh, My crisis continued to get worse. So at the same time, I was co-teaching this women's Bible study on prayer. And inevitably, the lessons that I got to teach were all about scripture passages that said something about, for the faithful, if you have faith and you ask God what you need, God will deliver, you will receive. And here I was asking for a baby, not a radical request here. This was normal and typical, and I was most definitely not receiving. So that began to lead me to question, all right, what horrible thing had I done that had caused um, this to happen? What, what was wrong with me um, that I was unable to do this incredibly natural, typical next step in our age and stage in life? And particularly when people believe biblically that the most important gift of man and woman to one another is to be fruitful, to multiply. And we couldn't even fulfill this basic biblical principle. So were we broken? Were we sinful? And this led me to feel such shame. I felt so ashamed and confused. And then I would look at Greg and think, my gosh, he would be such a great father. Oh my gosh, my niece and nephews love him. Um, He is a favorite uncle. And I just thought he would be so good at this. And I would look at my family and all my sister-in-laws had produced offspring for all my brothers. (laughs) I grieved mightily for this unrealized hope. We tried various infertility procedures. All um, were expensive. Uh, and painful failures. And so all the while, my prayer life was disintegrating. I was unable to pray to God during this time. So I had a coworker and a good friend who came along beside me and every week she would meet with me to pray with and for me when I could not pray for myself. I could not find the words. The irony here is as an associate on staff, one of my jobs was to weekly lead congregational prayer. So I was praying to a God that I believe had hurt me deeply and was certainly confusing me. 
a God who inexplicably said no to me and Greg having our own child. So after three attempts at IVF, we called it quits. And then this led to the conversation around, do we adopt or not? And adoption is a beautiful thing. For reasons that I can't explain, for us, it just didn't feel like our path, that there was something else that we were being called to do. And so um, at that point in time, we accepted that God had a different plan and a different path for us, and that we began to have to trust God on that, to trust God. So with the help of my coworker, I eventually came out of the spiritual wilderness after three years, three years. And when I did, when I started to reorient, there was nothing I wanted more than to catch a glimpse of the Jesus that I had missed so much. And there was nothing that I longed for more than to touch the hem of his robe to seek healing in my life. But you see, it wasn't healing in order to heal my body so that I could bear a child. I'd worked through that. I longed for healing to to heal my spirit that had just been broken. The trust that I had lost with God and the trust I had lost for myself. Trust is a gift to be treasured. And when it is broken, it is difficult to restore, but it can be restored. And that's biblical. If you've read the Old Testament, then you read tons of stories about God constantly trying to mend trust. Noah and the flood and the covenant and the rainbow. The Israelites in the wilderness during the Exodus with Moses and Aaron and the golden calf, those Ten Commandments, God's anger and that broken trust. Later, the Israelites are sent into exile as their enemies come and scatter the Israelites across the Middle East. Story after story, chapter after chapter, God is trying to mend trust. Yes, Jesus calls for us to trust him in some of the most difficult personal situations. But Jesus can see pathways through things that look confusing to us. Jairus thought that Jesus could heal his daughter when she was sick. He believed that. But when his daughter died, that was a whole nother level of trust that Jesus could actually bring her back to life. But he did did. Jesus oftentimes sees the complicated and multifaceted truth in our life. And Jesus longs to bring healing to our broken lives, our broken bodies, our broken relationships. We would only trust him to do so. To believe that even though we can't literally touch the hem of Jesus's robe, we can put our trust in his teaching and his example, so that um, we trust in God and not our own abilities. Friends, we can take the confusing mess that is our lives and we can put it at the altar of Jesus in order to catch a glimpse of clarity. We can trust that God is going to bring the healing that we need, the saving that we so desperately need So then we can be faithful witnesses to others that the Jesus we love and worship can heal. And I am a living testament of that. 
Healing absolutely came to me. It came to me in the form of being able to let go of trying to blame myself for anything I had done for um, our infertility. Healing came to me in the ability to not be envious at my sister-in-laws or any other young couples that were starting their families. Healing came to me in the ability to handle the oftentimes insensitive questions or comments that Greg and I would receive. We could handle them with grace and understanding. Healing came to me in the ability to hold an infant and do an infant baptism and feel nothing but joy. That's one of my favorite things about my job. Healing came to me in the ability to stop praying, Lord, help bring me a child, to Lord, I don't want to be Sarah. I don't want to get pregnant in old age. No. Jesus calls us to not be afraid, but to trust and believe in him. And without our faith and trust in Jesus, we will stay in our own wilderness of confusion or hurt or anger or resentment. And we'll get caught up in our fear of failure or guilt or in our own sins. And if you find yourself in some kind of a wilderness today, is that where you want to stay? I don't think so. Don't you want to catch a glimpse of Jesus to just touch the edge of his robe so that you can experience the healing that he wants to bring to the hurts and the brokenness within you? It starts with trust. To trust that Jesus is already working in your lives to to bring about that healing, to ease your pain and to soften the wounds. To open your eyes and see what is true and what is not true, that when we find ourselves in a mess and we want to blame ourselves over and over and over again, or we are struggling to love someone else the way Jesus has called us and taught us to do, that we can always trust Jesus' great desire to save and heal us. And if we are bleeding, like the bleeding woman, we can pray for healing. And again, my healing didn't come in the answer of a long-awaited pregnancy, but it came. And if we are gyrus, we can patiently trust that Jesus will be able to heal all, that there's no situation that trumps another. And friends, Jesus has the power to heal all of us. There is enough power to go around. And so I ask you to pray for those around us that are dealing with brokenness in their lives. I ask for your prayers for healing for our own church in this season we find ourselves in. I ask for prayers for our staff, for our lay leadership. I ask for prayers for me as I do my best to help lead us through the storm we find ourselves in. And the truth is our church is experiencing some unrest. and There are some seeds of division that are being sown in our midst. And I ask that we pray for our church to be faithful to God and to not let our sins, to not let our sins enter in and divide us. To pray for the church to receive this beautiful healing touch of Jesus. Because we are called to be the body of Christ and the body of Christ builds one another up. It does not tear anyone down. And the truth is 
We are an imperfect body. I am an imperfect leader. We are imperfect followers. But God has brought me to this place. God has brought you to this place. And through me and you together, God will do amazing godly things to make transformed disciples, to love our community, to invite all to discover life in Christ. So may we trust one another enough to weather this storm, knowing God has great dreams and hopes for us. And friends, may you trust God to help you weather whatever the current storm is in your life to bring the healing that you need in your life, knowing God has great dreams for you. Our God is indeed a God that heals. Amen? Amen.